Welcome to Club Sandwich, where the music is great and the stories are real. Each week, we talk about life in the middle, the middle of raising kids, nurturing careers, and navigating the ever-changing needs of our aging parents. I'm Jennifer Owens. I serve as editorial director at Firstly, the first financial wellness platform designed specifically for the sandwich generation. I'm also the mother of two, wife of one, and the daughter and stepdaughter of my children's grandparents. I know firsthand how complex family life can be and how it can change in an instant. I also know how hard it can be to prepare for the future, especially one that impacts our kids and our parents, let alone ourselves. Our guest today knows that too. Jesse Meekum, thank you so much for sharing your sandwich expertise with us today. I am very glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So you are the founder of You Need a Budget. You're an author, <laughs> like you call yourself a recovering CPA, and you happen to be the father of seven. Yes. I think you may be the only person in the world who can authentically claim to find joy in budgeting. So I'd love to start our conversation with that thought in mind. <laughs> Finding joy in the worst thing ever. It's a <laughs> tricky one. It's tricky. It's very tricky. You know, and I would say that in our family's life, you know, budgeting brought anxiety and stress. And, you know, with things have leveled off and we're feeling better about things, but I don't know if the word joy comes to mind. So can we talk about, like, how do you define joy in your budgeting routine and how do you find it? Yeah. So I think joy is when you're clear on what you want. So your priorities are crystal clear and then your money is helping you achieve that. That's the joy. And sometimes, you know, the HVAC goes out and you have money set aside for it. It's not a big deal. You just kind of roll with it. I wouldn't say that's yeah. necessarily joyful, but I think the opposite <laughs> of joy certainly is where stressful. So I want yes. the HVAC to go out. It did for us literally two weeks ago, and uh, it's been a warm Ugh. one over here in the desert. Yeah. And yeah. I told the guy, I texted him, I said, I'm a big tipper. Please come quickly. You know. But at the end of the day, we were kind of just waiting for, uh, you know, waiting for the guy to come. But I was never worried about the money being set aside. We, we just always squirrel away a little money in what we call the home maintenance and repairs bit of our budget. And we right. know that the unit will eventually fail. And so while that's not joyful, we didn't experience the stress yep. that comes with heat exhaustion. You know, And budgeting gets us there where we can remove a lot of stress. I just about 30 minutes ago helped my 15-year-old son. He's obsessed with golf right now. He learned about it in March, learned what a par was in April, and has just been going nonstop. And just a few minutes ago, we were walking through his budget and normally we do that on Sundays, you know, kind of a little more chill, but yep. he had, he's just scrounged together enough money to buy this brand new driver, not inexpensive, 300 bucks. But mm -hmm. that for that kid, I mean, it was, it was joy. He's worked hard for it. He scrolled away the money for it. He pulled the yep. trigger on it. And now he's just, you know, going to check the mail every single day until then. But you saw joy for that kid. It's because he, the money got him something that he really, truly wanted. And so much of the time. Our money just kind of does whatever it wants, and there's no joy to be found. Budgeting fixes that. It's the reactive part, right? Oh, that you yes. know you're just reacting to bills and stress, and that to be proactive. Yeah, I don't know if joy is the word I pick, but I do like it. I like the absence of stress, at least. Let's at least go for that, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, and so you host the You Need a Budget podcast and the Beginning Balance podcast for that's for the small business owners, mm -hmm. the entrepreneurs. And so what are the stories that you're hearing about them from them in this moment right now? It's a very transitory moment we're in with um, in midlife anyways, starting yes. businesses, starting families. Also, the pandemic is still here. What are they talking about? 
So most people are still dealing with a lot of the, it ends up kind of being the same. The more things change, the more they stay the same. So 2020 was a crazy year. And some of my, my close yeah. business friends have their best years ever. Others were sitting for months wondering, you know, what exactly was going to happen. And some yeah. just kind of like squeaked by, but it was definitely a year that made everyone kind of reevaluate what was most important for them personally. And then also what was important for their business strategically. And I hope, I, I want the pandemic to go away very, very much so, but I hope the lessons don't go away that we all just acutely felt in that early kind of confusing time where suddenly yeah. you were very, you, you just knew what mattered and its right. absence really made it clear sometimes. And so I hope we've written that down. I hope we've all been a little introspective because that was a lesson among all of the, the horrible that's packaged into that. That was a lesson for us to really say, oh, yeah. this is what I care about. And then when you know that, you just start to kind of put your money toward those things to get back to that peace yeah. that you can get. One of the things I heard someone was referencing the early days of the pandemic and talking about, especially in industry, but I think it works in our families too, that it was pushing us forward 10 years. And they were talking about specifically like the movie theaters or yes. car buying or the like. And it's like, basically it sped us forward 10 years. And I think it's kind of the same concept of like, this is where I want to be 10 years from now. I'm realizing it right now. I, this is what's important to me. Yes, and absolutely. I don't want to just play around for 10 years and end up somewhere. I want to know it now because this is my priority. Yeah. I mean, not existential questions, but, but darn close some yeah. of the time. Yeah. yeah. And, and I yes. think it's a great opportunity for us all to just really reflect on that. It's interesting. I think e-commerce got a 10-year jump from that. I mean, we, we would yeah. have been there eventually, but suddenly we're all just much more comfortable. I just saw some big movie uh, that came out. They did 80 million in the theaters and 60 million on Disney+. Plus. So suddenly everyone's thinking, oh, I can stream a movie here. And for us having seven kids, it's actually cheaper to pay for the streaming and not drag all the kids to the movie theater, you know? And, and right. I thought, oh, that's interesting. How, how long would that have taken for some studio executives to make the call to, you know, release at the same time? So there's just, I mean, that's kind of a small superficial example, but it's an example nonetheless of us all kind of having our collective brains jogged a little where it's like, hey, maybe this could be done differently. You know, I mean, I work at, uh, you know, we run a hundred percent remote company. That's been very interesting to watch as well, as far as people realizing they could do things they didn't think they could do being oh, spread. Most definitely. Apart. Yeah. In uh, companies saying we never thought we could be a flexible remote company. Absolutely. Like, yes, we can. And now, so then the lessons, what do we learn from that as we try to claw back some of our pre-pandemic life and Absolutely. setups and, and the like? Well, so, you know, you need a budget. One of the lessons right there is you need a budget. I mean, it's in yes. the name. But what are some of the ways that we should be taking control of our money? Like if life is anxious and stressed and we're pressed for time with our responsibilities, how can we take money off that stress point? Yeah. Yeah. So we have to anchor ourselves in reality. So we talk about giving every single dollar a job, an assignment. And we have to know what those jobs are. That's one thing. So what do I want my money to do? But we also have to know how much money we have. And it's funny to say this a little bit, Jennifer, but what we don't want to do is pretend that the money will come in and then budget that money. So it's a little bit strange, but at YNAB, we actually will take some. Wait, that's bank all account. I do. Or it's you spend all... the same money twice? 
Yes. It's, yeah. You're just like doing mental math and you're like, oh, I think I got this. I think yep. I got this. Like I can buy this. And, and it's stressful to ask ourselves, like, can I afford this? Can I afford that? But we very concretely, when we're working with people out of the gate, you know, we'll say like, what are your needs? What's your rent? And we'll have them build kind of their bill structure, you know, what they expect as far as their needs go. But when it comes to budgeting, they look at what they have on hand. And if they get paid tomorrow, we tell them to ignore that. What do you have right now in your checking account? Oh. And on average, it's not even $400. And not because they aren't making good money. It's just that the money yeah. drops so precipitously because that pile of bills is waiting for it. Spent out, right? Yes, it all comes in and then it all goes just out, right? Quickly out, quickly out. So they come with about 350 bucks and we just ask them this very simple question. What do you want this money to do before you are paid again? And they'll quickly run away from that very frank question. They'll say, well, I'm actually, Jesse, I'm going to be paid on Friday. And then, and I'll say, no, 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 no. This money only. And they'll try again. Well, yeah, this money, I'll do this and this, but next, and we're saying, no, we want people to feel what it feels like for money to run out. Now, as an eight-year-old, one of my little kids, I don't really name them. I just number them, you know? So like number six, <laughs> right? She's, she yes. understands, little face. she understands when money runs out and has no problem with it whatsoever. No problem at all. I'm like, oh, Faye, you're, you're out of money. You can't buy that this month. And she's like, mm, okay. And then she runs off, you know? Adults, yeah. I don't know when we lose that lesson, but somewhere along the way, we run out of money and we just walk right past zero, swipe a credit card and we're like, oh, look, I didn't run out of money after all. So we're trying in this budgeting process that we teach, we're trying to just say, no, no, it's finite. The end. This is it. What do you want this money to do before you're paid again? And what's really crazy, people will do this with $300, like uh, gas, food, a little of this, a little of that, a little of this bill over here. I mean, it's a pretty quick exercise yeah. once you've gotten their hands around that finite pile. And then it is amazing how many times people will say, oh my gosh, I actually feel so good right now. Because right. it's, it's what you alluded to earlier. They are being proactive. They are taking that first grasp of control. And it does not get old to see the light bulb go on in that moment. I tell you, one of the things my husband will always say that, especially when the babies were really small, mm. I kind of hid behind the babies. And I, I kind of didn't want to know what, the, what was happening with the mm -hmm. budget. Mm -hmm. Just that the lights were turning on and the groceries were getting paid. And maybe the babies aren't crying. So you're like, this is good. Yeah, you know, we're good. This is all you know? good. Mm -hmm. And he was so stressed yes. because he didn't have a partner in looking at it. Yes. And, and then if he was worried about it and, and that completely on me, he knew it. And I never said I didn't want to. I just never mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. And I think, I, yes, I completely know. And I feel terrible about that era in our mm -hmm. relationship where I kind of just stepped away. You know, my, the kids were busy. Yes. They took a lot out of me. But that kind of being proactive in the sense of, let's see what we have. Where do we have to get to? And there are weeks, especially we have our first child going off to college. Oh. It's all we talk about. And mm -hmm. not in a bad way. It's just constantly, this money is coming in. We know what this is. We have, you know, business on the side or, you know, what's missing? What does it need to do? And we, we have a budget now. And now we do it. And Again, I don't know. I'm landing on that word joy, but I do, uh, I do take pride. I have a lot of pride in that, that we are working together on that. Yeah, I think, He has relief. Oh, absolutely. It's not fun to be the partner that's in charge. Um, there, are some, yeah. there are some nasty situations where the in charge is actually totally dysfunctional. So I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I mean, 
I'm talking about the situation where you just have someone that's like, oh, they just, they're, I don't know, they lean more or the other person's really, their bandwidth is just running dry, which is probably very much your situation with the little ones. So in that instance, what you want to acknowledge is, okay, this bifurcation of duties is totally appropriate. We're totally cool with that. Uh, Julie does some things in the house. I do some things and it's, it works. Yeah. And sometimes it switches and 10 years later, it'll change. But for then you're kind of set. You have to recognize that with money, it's the same, except and what you mentioned earlier is the, is the nail on the head. As far as the goals go, where do we want to go? Making sure big picture money is lined up and doing what it's supposed to do. That's key. And you can't have one partner opt out of that. I was asked yesterday, actually, <laughs> someone was saying, well, what if your money goals don't, they're just totally different. How do you share finances? And I said, how can you be in a relationship where your money I goals are so different? So I kind of questioned the premise, but <laughs> I mean, so much of money is just interwoven for better or worse in all things. And so when you can yes. get clarity on what you want as a partnership, then you just make sure, okay, the money is doing what we want. It's fun to see people have these, you know, air quotes, money conversations, and really they're having life conversations. Suddenly it's like, yes. well, how many kids do we want to have? And will we pay for college? How will we do that? I mean, do we want a vacation? When do you want to retire? It's about life. And I love to see that start to unlock with couples. It's, it's fun to see. I love it. And one of your your budgeting philosophy lessons is to only spend money that's at least 30 days old. Yeah. What does that mean? Cuz I love it. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit it's a little bit of like a, mar a kind of a marketing thing. In the sense we're just trying yeah. to say, "Hey, like step away from the financial edge. So you earn money today and you spend it tomorrow. That's stressful. Even yeah. more stressful <laughs> is you spent the money 2 weeks ago on a credit card and you're waiting for the money to arrive. That's very stressful. What we're talking about is the money you earn today. Maybe you wouldn't need that money for 30, 40 days, literally that dollar. Our software does this. People should know that this is not about software. It's about your thinking, but the software will yeah. tell you like, oh, you know, on average, the, the last dollar you spent came into the system about 65 days ago. And that just kind of tells people oh, like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm not right on the edge. Right. It's a silly what I'm about to say. It's real money, you know, and yes. not fake money. And I think that was one of my... My the way I lived when I was particularly younger and making zero dollars <laughs> as a newspaper reporter. There was a moment in my life when I was a reporter in Washington, D.C. I could tell my nut was bigger than my incoming revenue. Yes. I was stuck. It, I was single on by myself and realizing this had to change, but wasn't sure what to do. This, mm -hmm. I have since figured it out, but I didn't know that until about a year in. Yes. And that, I'm being very open and honest. Yeah. I, I let that happen. You want to know what I was covering? Business. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's the, it's the cobbler's kids that don't have shoes, you know? Yeah. There's so much of that. Absolutely. Well, can we talk about like setting priorities for your monies? Because, you know, we're talking to the sandwich generation. So mm. those priorities are competing. They're all yelling very loudly at us. And is there any sort of hierarchy that we can start with? I mean, it's no one size fits all. I get that. It's interesting. I've, I've used the, um, you know, the oxygen mask analogy before. Yeah. So, you know, you always put on your own mask and then you worry about the person next to you. And I think to a degree that still stands. It makes it a little bit simplistic because sometimes, as you mentioned, the priorities are kind of screaming and there's some serious emotion in taking care of aging parents or taking care of, you know, the littles. There's a lot there. So I like the principle first, like, okay, we need to make sure that we're on steady foundation before we try to do too much, you know, beyond that. Yeah. 
but I do recognize there's got to be some room for flexibility there. It's interesting when you mentioned priorities, like the original word priority, there was no plural. The, the priorities came about much later. The original version wow. of it, there just wasn't a plural. Your priority was the one thing. And being the sandwich generation, you're like, well, wouldn't that be nice? You know, but it's just it's yeah, not reality. Yeah. I am a, a bit agog at the idea of having one priority. <laughs> it, it's it's almost scary. You know, it's, well, what would I do with all these other 85 things that need my attention? Yeah. But I do think, and in, um, I think GE made this famous, uh, kind of infamous with their stack ranking of employees and like the bottom fourth would be fired. <gasps> it was, it was pretty, yes. pretty hard, but you may remember that back in the day. And it was I kind do. of like, well, here are the best of the best. And so you had this intercompetition that I think would have been a horrific workplace, but, uh, you know, for a while they were just gangbusters booming along. So I do think we can do that, not with people and firing them. I think that's mean, but I think you can do that with your priorities and stack rank those things. I mean, I really think you have to be crystal clear about like, is, is one above the other or not? And there are tools that you can do online where you can just say, Hey, I yeah. want to prioritize a list. And it will simply put, you know, number one versus number 10, number two versus number nine. It'll just walk you through that. And you have to just kind of say, uh, this one more than this one. And at the end, you have this very tidy list that is stack ranked on what you care about most. And it's not that you, we don't have to be mutually exclusive here. We can take care of a parent and we can take care of a kid. We can take care of ourselves, but it is important to be clear on what comes first. And yeah. again, I'm trying to anchor people in reality. And so whatever mm -hmm. we can do to get our arms more tightly around reality is going to help in making those tough, sometimes very tough decisions. I agree. Because uh, you don't want to be uh, living in D.C. and uh, spending too much on your rent and be <laughs> adding to your debt. It's just a variation of that. You, yes. you can't live in a way where you're always sliding further into debt because yeah. that's the only option you have. Absolutely. It, right? it, it's either you're going to succeed or you're going to take on more debt. Where will this lead? That is the question. So if I keep doing this, where will it lead? That that usually is pretty instructive. <laughs> yes, yeah. I would think so. <laughs> Are you getting ready for the college search? Oh, you know, yes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I've I've actually been leaning toward like college experts. I had Ron Lieber, who's the New York Times, you know, yes. personal finance columnist. He's fantastic, and he wrote this book. I, I think it's called "How to Pay for College" or "The Price We Pay for College." It's the, the real cost of college. The or real something. Cost oh, of college. I, we've yes. all read it. It's <laughs> this poem. It's so thorough, and I'm like, Ron, thank you for one making it so I'm just more aware of how hard this decision is, really. But it was it was phenomenal, and it really opened my eyes to that higher education being transformative and not just transactional. So I thank Ron specifically for that. It's been interesting. I read another book a little while ago called Wealth and Families. It's like this really boring Harvard book written for like nine yeah. people. But in that, the, the guy said, um, when can you see your children as peers? And I, that really struck me. And so I've really been working with my oldest, who's 17. He's going to be a senior. I'm really working with, okay, I've got to start seeing him as a peer. I know he doesn't know anything. and I know he thinks he knows everything, but I do have to start thinking, okay, he knows he knows things and he knows how he feels. And so yep. there's a balance to be struck, but to start to imagine him as a peer sooner rather than later. I can imagine him when he's 50 and I'm, I don't know, 80 or whatever, but earlier right. than that, that, that really helped me in helping guide him in this decision-making because at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's his call, you know? It is. It is. Yeah. And it's very hard as someone who just went through it. May I offer some advice? <laughs> please, please do. 
It's the thing that you know how the book can be written. Mm -hmm. And of course, he'll write his own chapters because he will become a, a young adult and he'll have these adventures that we can't even imagine. But when he doesn't want to write his three extra essays for, for the yes. application <laughs> and is dragging it, they're the worst employees. And you just think, oh, please, this whole essay, the whole thing is built on the, because it's not just the central essay, it's mm -hmm. the extra ones that mm -hmm. they want. And yeah. that's what's going to kill you. So, yes, but the conversations you'll have with him as he sees what his future could look like. You'll look at some colleges. And I think these are wonderful conversations because he does have opinions. Yes. They all do. They have thoughts. And it'll be great. He's so good. So I'm like, okay, this kid's good. Like, he's honest. He's good. He works hard. I think we're doing okay. You know, and we'll let him, as you said, write those chapters. But I love also that you mentioned a horrible employee because I tell my kids so often, Mike, if you worked for me or anyone else, they would fire you so fast. Oh. You know? so they're like, well, <laughs> they're I forgot worst. to do it. You didn't remind me. I said, bosses don't remind you. Yes. They tell you and then they fire you. That will be your stress stuff. point with the college application process is okay. desperately wanting them to do things on the time that it's required. Yes. But also they need to do it themselves and they need to have buy-in and you know it's your future, but don't screw up your future. And, yes. you know, so yeah. They're like, yep. they see this little essay and you, you project out like so far. With, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can see how the emotions would, they're like, why are you taking this so seriously? This is the merit financial scholarship that, yes. you know, that the, that Ron Lieber's talking about mm -hmm. with, with the, the institutional aid versus the financial aid. Yeah. It's like, it's all based on this, but it's not. And it's so much more and it's whatever, but just do the dang essay. Yes. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. So I wish you all all the best for I that. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, and I thank you for joining us on Club Sandwich. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and sharing kind of your point of view on these very important things that hit us in the sandwich generation. Absolutely. I'm just glad I could be here. Thank you. Are you living life in the middle? Share your story with the editors at firstly.com. Please take a moment to rate and review our podcast. It really helps us grow. And of course, if you could use a little extra financial wellness help, visit firstly.com created specifically with the sandwich generation in mind. And let me know what you think. And until then, I'll see you each week in the club. Club Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs>